serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate would you pray for me and I'm going to pray for you the church Heavenly Father God I pray for your people this morning God God I pray God that they would hear this word and they would receive it into their hearts God I pray God that this word would be a word that would rise up in me today let the Holy Spirit flow God with words of conviction words of power and words of demonstration of the Spirit God, I pray, God, that that same word, that same spirit would speak to the hearts of men and women today, God. God, that the word would be received, God, not just into ears, not just into minds, but into hearts, into souls. God, I pray, God, that this word would dwell deep, God, that this word would just grab a hold of your church, God, that even those that are not here today would be able to hear this word somehow, God. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen, amen. Well, there's just something I need to get off my chest this morning. I don't care how many are here or not, the word of God tells me where two or three gather in the mist, there he is in the mist. Where two or three gather in his name, there he is in the midst. And let me tell you, there's more than two or three here this morning. In fact, if I had to go through and count the sanctuary, I'm sure that I could count to 30 if I counted everybody twice. But let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is here. Now, what the devil would like to do is discourage you and come in and tell you, well, is the church really growing? The devil would like to come in and say, well, are we going to make it? The devil would like to come in and say, well, they just don't care for your preaching. The devil would like to come in and say, well, you really shouldn't have said what you said last week. But let me tell you, church, the devil is a liar. He's been a liar since the beginning. He didn't start out and say, oh, I'm going to tell the truth. He became a liar when he thought he was better than God. I don't I can only imagine the story as I've heard it told to me and and such but 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 I've learned from some scholars that have shared the story of how the devil became the devil and he was up there with God and he thought hey you know what I could just do it a little bit better I I believe I can get this thing just a little bit better. I can create this world a little bit better. I can do it just a little bit better. I'm a little bit better than God because God didn't create me. I created God. Let me tell you, you didn't create God. The devil didn't create God. 
He would like to try to start out and say, well, you know what? We can just do it a little bit better. We can do it a little bit better than God can do it. Come on, somebody. The devil is a liar. He doesn't start out and say, start out with saying, oh, you're better than God. He doesn't start out and just convince you with that lie. He comes to you and says, you know what? If, 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 if God hadn't let that happen to you, then you would be over here. You would be walking through that door of success. You would have that financial blessing. You would have that job. Your, your marriage, if God didn't let that happen to you, your child would not be running from the Lord. The devil tries to tell us lies by asking us questions and getting us to question ourselves on what we believe. But the devil is a liar. Can I tell you, are you ready for this? The devil is a liar. That's right. Say it with me. The devil is a liar. He's not just any old liar, church. He's the biggest stinking liar that there ever is in the whole wide world. In fact, he's the biggest liar that's ever lived. You know what Jesus called him? Jesus called the devil the father of lies. That means he's the guy who came up with the concept. We didn't invent lies when we told a little lie and when we were little and said, I didn't do it, he did it. And you know you did it. You didn't invent it. The father of lies invented lying. That means he's the guy who came up with the concept. He's the big kahuna of the shady deal. He's the daddy of deception. He's the original Lion King. Get it? He's probably likes all those titles, in fact, in his own cocky kind of way. But I've got another one probably that he don't like too well because it reminds him of his fate. He's the ultimate liar, liar, pants on fire. So you just have to excuse me this morning because it's services like this where we've got plenty of open seats where the enemy would like to tell me some lies. But I came here to tell you this morning that the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. He's a low down, dirty, rotten, two-timing, lying, stealing, cheating, good for nothing. Devil's on my bad side. He's a liar. You want to know why? I'll just go ahead and tell you why. Go ahead and tell us why I preach. I'm going to tell you why anyway. I know what he's up to, and I don't like it. He wants to discourage you. He wants to discourage me. He wants to discourage the leadership team. He wants to discourage Dan. He wants to discourage Josh. He wants to discourage us all. But let me tell you, the devil is a liar. I came to tell you that the devil is a liar this morning. I don't have to make it up. It's in God's word. It starts out and we see that he lies. He tells Eve something that, that's not even the truth. He tells Eve, he said, did God really say you can't eat or touch any of the, or eat any of the fruit of the garden? God didn't say that at all. In fact, with this lie, he confuses Eve so much, she goes on to say, no, God said I can't eat or touch. When God never said I can't touch, he just said you can't eat. That you can't eat. He confuses Eve so much that, that she's already confused by his lies. Well, let me tell you, it's because she wasn't prepared for the enemy. Let me just go ahead and tell you that. She wasn't prepared for that serpent to come on, sneak on in. Well, let me go ahead and get you prepared this morning. The devil is a liar. 
And whatever he's telling you this morning, he could be telling you, you don't need this sermon. You don't need this sermon series. You don't need this church. You don't need God. Let me tell you, the devil is a liar. Let me tell you some other reasons I don't like him. He's after the church. Not just this church, but the church at large. No wonder people get their feelings hurt and they don't like church. He's after the church. And you won't like it when I tell you what else he's out after. He's after your family. He's after your children. He's after your marriage. Let me tell you some more reasons. Satan hates God. Now that really ticks me off because I love God. I love God with all my whole heart. I would do anything for God. He could ask me and I would obey. But Satan hates anyone that loves God. Satan's real enemy is God, but because he's powerless against God, he attacks those closest to the heart of God, his children who love him. Oh, and there's another one. Satan hates the way God takes care of his people. Satan hates the way, he hates this sermon this morning. He hates that I came in ready to tell the people that he's a liar. He hates the way that I prepared this week. He hates the way that God put it in me and said, you know what, you're going to preach on little white lies. He wanted to take a shot at Job because he hates that God had a protection around him. He resented the way God was taking care of him. You remember what he said to God about Job? Let me paraphrase. Oh, sure, God. Sure, he serves you. What do you expect? You've got this wall of protection around him and his nice big house and his nice big family and he owns everything. He doesn't like anything. There's nothing he don't need. You bless everything he does. The guy's filthy rich. For Pete's sake, he owns enough livestock to open a zoo. No wonder he loves you. But you take down the wall and give me a shot at him and I'll make sure he curses you to your face. And just like that, the enemy was after Job. Just like that. And let me tell you, he's after you and me today because he hates God and all that he created. But he is smart. He won't come right out and tell you he hates you. No, no, no. That would be too obvious. No, he wants to make you think he's on your side. So he tells you, your way is the best way. You got it all figured out. Do what you want. You're intelligent enough. You're an intelligent adult. You're right. You're a good person. You don't need anybody telling you how to live. And all that is his sneaky way of getting you to do things your way and not God's way. That way he never even has to mention how much he hates God or you and he gets the same results. I'm telling you, church, the devil is a liar. He always has been and he always will be. And anytime you lie, there's a reason. Anybody ever told a lie before? If you ain't raising your hand, you're lying. <laughs> I stand behind this pulpit and I've told a lie before. 
I remember the first time Hills was going out of business, the first time I ever stole anything. There's this open deck of cards, and I can't remember what characters was on this these cards, but I they was open, and I was probably four years old. Maybe five. I don't know when Hills went out of business, but it was right over here on Brainerd Road. And there was this open deck of cards, and they had some kind of characters, cartoon characters that I wanted. And I thought, they're going out of business. They're closing. This pack is open. I'm just going to slide these in my pocket. And I got away with it, too. Until me in the back seat brings them out of my pocket, starts playing with them in the car. And my brother says, he's not here this morning. He could validate it if he was here. He says, you stole those. And I said, no, I didn't. They gave them to me. My mom heard the conversation said, they didn't give you no cards. She turned me back around, and I went into Hills, and I had to confront the manager on duty. I thought I was going to jail. That's the first time I ever remember telling a lie. First time I remember stealing something. That was the last time I told a lie. That was the last time I stole something. I was a bad kid. If you got bad kids, let me tell you, Jesus saves. <laughs> the devil's a liar. I'm telling you, the devil's a liar. Broken a vase, said you didn't do it. You was out past curfew, lied about where you were because we were the wrong person in the wrong place at the wrong time, so you lied about it. And you're covering up something that you don't want someone else to know. You're telling a lie. And that's what this message is all about. What is the devil trying to cover up? Why does the devil need to lie? Here are three main reasons I came up with today. Not the only reasons, but I believe important reasons nonetheless. The devil tries to discredit God. For God knows, looking at chapter 3 verse 5 again, that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, what's he really up to with a lie like that? You will be like God? It was his backhanded way of discrediting God. He has been at it from the very beginning and nothing has changed. He wants us to believe that God is not really as good as we think he is. He goes about attaining that goal a couple of ways. He tricks us into thinking we can somehow be good enough on our own to be our own God. Understand with me, it wasn't wrong of Eve to want to be like God. As Christians, we should want to be like Christ and live as Christ lived and to be, be like him and to live like him and to talk like him and to walk as he walked. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with Eve wanting to be like her creator. What made it wrong was when Satan told her she could become her creator. That she could become more like God by defying God's authority. By taking God's place. And deciding for herself what was best for her life. And guess what, church? She believed it. Sometimes we believe things knowing that it defies God's word. And we choose to believe it anyway. God had said not to eat of the fruit. What more do you need? 
She had everything she needed. I believe if you study theologically, if you study theologically, you'll see she had eternal life. Sin had not come upon the world. God had not said man will only live so many days. She had eternal life. But when she ate of the fruit, when Adam ate of the fruit, they were appointed a day that they would die. Because eternal life begins when we get saved. Well, guess what? They didn't need saving. So it made it wrong because the enemy defied God's authority and she believed it. Sometimes we believe things knowing that it defies the word of God. The spirit of this world is to get you to believe in a lie. Listen to this. The spirit of this world is to get you to believe in a lie. The problem is this. If you believe in his lies, then you can't believe in his lies. If you believe in the lies of the enemy, you can't believe in the God who tells the truth. If you believe in his lies, then you can't listen to his truth. I may have got that wrong a moment ago. But let me just tell you, if you can't believe in his, if you start to believe in his lies, then you can't believe in his truth. Because there's a real enemy. And he's telling you lies. And if you begin to believe in them, then you can't believe in his truth. God's truth. How many know that becoming like God is not the same thing as trying to become God? Becoming like God means to reflect his characteristics and to recognize his authority over your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. The big lie is that the devil uses so often is that good can be attained by doing evil. He talked even to believing she had found a shortcut to being like God. That she could be like God without God's help. Sounds like people today who try to substitute personal goodness for the cross. But true goodness, the kind it takes to gain eternal life, cannot be attained without God. If it could, we wouldn't need God. Which is exactly what the devil wants us to believe. Satan to Eve, you can do this without God. Just eat the fruit. Satan to us. You're good enough to make it to heaven. Just be a good person. You don't need God. You don't need the church. You don't need the Bible. You don't need to read it. Why waste your time reading it? You're a good person. Just go out and do good. You don't need to pray. Don't waste your time praying. Just go and do what you was going to pray about. Let me tell you, that's a lie. If I've learned anything over the, over the six years I've been pastoring is that the war and the battle is fought on the prayers that I pray. There's nothing physically I can do to win the battle if I've not prayed. The enemy lies. You cannot be good enough. You cannot be righteous enough to make it to heaven on your own. We need God. Preach, preacher. Oh, I believe I will. We need God. 
Romans 3.10 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. And Isaiah 53.6 says it like this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why do sheep go away and go astray from the shepherd? Why do Christians go off course from Jesus? Why do people drift away from the church? Because they think they can do this thing called life on their own. But I came to tell you, Ricky Bobby can't get into heaven on good deeds. Bobby Boucher can't get into heaven by doing great things. It is by God, and it is by grace, it is by the blood of the Lamb. Understand with me, God would not have sent his son to die for us if we were capable of salvation by being good. We are rebellious sinners is what we are. Let me set the record straight. We do need God. We've all sinned and come short of his glory. The lie the devil wants you to believe undermines God's goodness by telling you that you can make it to heaven on your own merit, that you are good enough to make it without him. But you know where the devil starts? He doesn't start usually by walking up to you saying, you don't need God. If he did, as a believer in church every week, instantly you'd spot and know that was a lie. How the devil usually starts is, did God really say you needed this sermon? Did God really say you needed this sermon series? Did God really say you needed to go to church this week? Did God really say you needed to go to church? Did God really say you needed to pray? Did God really say you needed to read your Bible? Just like he asked Eve, did God really say? And the less time you spend reading the word, the less time you spend hearing the word, the less time you spend praying the word is the less time that you get the word. And so you begin to not even know what God said in his word because you've not spent time around the word. Come on, somebody. Truth be known, he's already asked some of you the question this morning, and you've already answered that question, whether or not you needed this sermon. The enemy doesn't stop there, does he? He gets an inch and takes a mile. He asks, you, you don't really need this sermon series, do you? And one day turns into two or three weeks, and what does the devil do? Oh, you're tired? You've not had a day to yourself? It's okay to miss church. You need rest. I agree you need rest. That's how the devil comes at us. He tells us a partial truth and mixes it with a lie. Oh, you need family time. You can miss church. You need to spend time with your family. I'm not discrediting vacation. I'll take one. I promise I'll take a vacation. Even I need a break. Even I need to spend time with my family. There's truth there. But when you wake up in the morning and you planned on Saturday night to go to church and you wake up on Sunday morning, you say, you know what? I just need to spend time with my family today. 
That is the devil taking a truth, mixing it with a lie, and saying, you just need to skip church today. That's how you're going to fix this. Where the truth is, no, you go ahead and say, you know what? I'm going to plan and take my family up to Pigeon Forge or we're just going to have a day. I know not everybody's got, got the money to go to Pigeon Forge or go to the beach. We're just going to plan a day and go down to Chickamauga Battlefield and take a kickball. And yeah, it, we're going to take a Sunday, but you know what? We're going to plan it. We're going to call the preacher. We're going to let him know, hey, he, we're not going to make it. Brother Dan, I'm not going to be able to be on the praise team that Sunday. Go ahead and call me out and such cancel me out because I'm making this a family day. There's nothing wrong with spending time with your family. There's nothing wrong with rest. In fact, when I know people are grieving and going through sometimes, you know what I tell them? You just need to rest. Sleep is probably the best spiritual thing that ever happens to me other than prayer. Because sometimes we just need to rest. But you don't skip out on church, wake up on Sunday morning and say, you know what, I'm just tired. I'm just going to go back to sleep. No, that's a partial truth that the enemy tells you that you go ahead and go back to sleep. Oh, I, I know some of you saying, well, you're stepping on my toes this morning. Let me tell you, that's what a white lie is. That's what a white lie is. And in this book, there's a lot of white lines in between God's word. And I don't see anywhere in God's word where he says, you know what? Go ahead and rest and skip out on assembling yourself with other believers. You know what? Just don't worry about praying today. You don't have time to pray. Come on, does the enemy ever tell you that? I can get off the church box and put it on something else. But that's not the truth. You're a slow reader. Don't worry about reading God's word. It takes you too long to even read it. You don't quite understand it. Why even try to read it? Come on. That is the enemy telling you a lie that's a partial truth but doesn't mean that you don't need to do it. And so he tells Eve, did God really say that you can't eat or touch of all the fruit or eat all the fruit? And tells a partial lie in that because God said you can't eat of one fruit. And so it's so interesting even if you look at this and you say this a little bit through this whole conversation Eve reached out to the fruit during this conversation. She had already reached out and was at the fruit. Understand me. It started out with a conversation with the snake. And this snake asked her questions. Did God say you really can't eat none of the fruit? Now, I don't know how big this garden is. Okay? Nothing in Scripture tells me really how big the Garden of Eden was. But I imagine it was a big enough place that God had to call out to Adam and Eve, and they was able to hide from physical eyes, not spiritual eyes. God knew where they were. But during this conversation with the serpent, and the serpent knows that they can only not eat of one fruit, but he says, you can't, didn't God really say you're not supposed to eat none of the fruit? And she says, no, we're not supposed to eat of this one. And by that time, during that walk with the serpent, she's already at the fruit. 
And you think, oh, I can just skip praying today. I don't need to pray. Next thing you know, that inch turns into a mile. Oh, I can skip church today. I don't need to go to church. That one Sunday turns into weeks. Next thing you know, you're at the fruit you weren't supposed to touch. You were at, you were at that, what you said you wouldn't do. Oh, I won't quit going to church. Oh, I won't quit praying. Oh, I won't quit reading my Bible. Oh, I won't mess up. I won't fall short. Oh, I won't. And what the enemy does is he tells you all those things that you won't do, and we're all flesh. None of us are, 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 are better, than, better than God, who's only spirit. We're all flesh, and our flesh leads us right to the fruit we're not supposed to touch. No wonder the word of God tells us that he's not the author of confusion. Read his words. In other words, his word is already clear. No wonder the word of God tells us in Hebrew 10.25, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhort and encourage one another even more as you see my day, my return approaching. Amen me somebody, I'm going to preach. You cannot become like God without God. You can't be a Christian without Christ. It's impossible. Satan is whispering that old lie in your ears today, telling you that you're okay because you're a good person. Don't fall for it. Good people who die without God still go to a place called hell. Too many good preachers have quit preaching the truth about hell. Let me tell you the truth about hell. Hell is a place where bad people and good people who are not saved and who don't have a relationship with God go. Amen. Yeah. Hell was not created for humans. Amen. God has given each of us a choice though. And we can choose Christ and His grace and his forgiveness, or we can choose hell. Amen. It's always, though, been our choice. The other way the devil gets us to believe that God is not really as good as we think he is is to trick us into thinking God has somehow let us down by bringing bad things upon us. You know the line, how could a good God let bad things happen? How could a loving God let bad things happen to good people? These are all questions that the enemy puts into our minds. And if we would read and study the word of God, we would have the answer to these questions. We would see that the enemy is going to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. We would see that the way that we live our life through the trials and the circumstances, that if we live it for God, then he is getting praise and glory. We would see that our life is only a vapor, here one moment, gone the next. We would see that eternal life starts when you're saved, but we're still foreigners in this land, and he has gone to prepare a place for us. That is better than this place. Where no sorrow will be there. And no shame. And no storms. And no terrible things. But the enemy gives these questions to us. How could a loving God let bad things happen to good people? Satan tempted Eve by getting her to doubt God's goodness. He implied that God was strict, that he was stingy, that he was selfish for not wanting Eve to share his knowledge of good and evil. 
He made her forget all that God had already done for her. How God had already provided anything that she would need. How God had already given her Adam and given Adam Eve and given them all the fruit and the food that they could eat and the water to drink. In that one question, the enemy made her forget all that God had given her and instead to focus on the one thing she couldn't have. The one thing that she didn't have. That's the way he works. He does anything to get us disappointed in God. Get us disappointed in the preacher. Get us disappointed in the church. And he's got all kinds of dirty tools to accomplish that goal. He's got the tool... He's got the tool of doubt to make you question God's word and his goodness. He's got the tool of discouragement to make you look at your problems rather than at your God. He's got the tool of distraction to make the wrong things seem attractive so that you want them more than the right things. He's got the tool of defeat to make you feel like a failure so you don't even try. He's got the tool of delay to cause you believe that God has somehow forgotten about you. Come on. He's got those tools. Yeah. Amen. While all of his tools don't start with the letter D, it certainly does there. Doubt, discouragement, distraction, defeat, and delay are of the devil. He loves to get us disappointed in God, to get us believing that God is not as good as we thought he was. Or else why would he have let happen to us? Fill in the blank. Don't be surprised to find him perched on your shoulder the minute some trial or tragedy comes your way saying, see there, where is God now? If God really loved you, then he wouldn't let that happen. He'll blame all the bad stuff on God too. He won't take no credit. God didn't make the world bad. When he finished with creation, he looked at it and said, it is good, it's perfect, it's flawless. But sin made the world bad. And it all started with a lie from the devil. The devil has been twisting the truth for centuries, trying to get man to believe that everything wrong with the world is God's fault. I'm telling you, the devil is a liar. And it's about time for you to give credit where credit is due. The evil in this world is the result of sin in this world. Don't blame God, blame the devil. Amen. The Lord is good, the devil is bad. And we got a whole book to remind us, church. The verse that says, for the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. His faithfulness continues all the generations. Another favorite of mine, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalms 86, 5 says, You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call upon you. Amen. Psalms 103, 2 and 5 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, woo, and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things. Understand this, church. The devil can change your mind by deceiving you into believing God is not good. Listen to me here. He can change your perception of God, but he can never change God. God will always be who he said he will be. He said in Malachi, Malachi 3, 6, I'm the Lord. 
I change not. Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loves you like he loved every man and woman that's ever lived. And it breaks his heart to see what sin has done to us. This world, the way that it is now, is not what he had in mind for us at all. So he's gone to prepare a place for us that is perfect and free from sin. Heaven, everything he wanted for us all along. And that old liar, the devil, can't get in that place. He had his chance. And he's so mad because he can't get in again that he doesn't want you getting in either. So he goes around breaking stuff and causing all sorts of evil and drama in the world. And then he comes around with the lie that it's God's fault. Don't believe it. God loves you. He wants the very best for you. He always has. That's why he gave Adam and Eve the very best. That's why he didn't give them the knowledge that he had of good and evil. Here's something else the devil wants us to believe in his efforts to discredit God. He wants us to believe that God is not really as wise as we think he is. Eve knew exactly what God had told her. She even repeated it to the serpent. We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. To which Satan replied, you will not surely die. Mm. They didn't know. There's a difference between fleshly death and spiritual death. On that day, that's when, I'm telling you, if you study this theologically, that's when they lost that eternal life and had to be redeemed. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, the enemy said, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so Eve goes, looks at that fruit. And she sees that it seems good for food. And what God told her not to do, she did. And she doesn't stop there. She goes and shares it with her husband. If there had been more humans in the garden, she would have shared it with more. That is exactly what we do sometimes. We get into it knowing that it's bad, knowing that it's wrong. We start sharing it with others and cause others to fall further away, cause others to go into addiction, to cause others to sin, to call others, to cause others to get further away from God. You know, God's word has had never been in question until Satan came slithering onto the scene. Suddenly she had a choice to make. Am I going to trust God's word and do what he said? Or am I going to challenge God's word and try things my way? God with his word had drawn the line with one rule. Don't eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden or you will die. God hadn't made that rule because he wanted to withhold knowledge from her. He made it to protect her from the wrong kind of knowledge. Ooh, he 
What you thought God was holding out on you and you what you thought God didn't want to give you, He's actually protecting you. You've been trying to figure out why God won't give you that blessing, why God won't give you that job, why God won't give you that, that, that extra breakthrough. And let me tell you, what, what you think is a breakthrough in the physical is going to be a breakdown in the spiritual. Amen. We're just like Eve. The closer we get to God's lines, the more we resent the fact that they have been drawn we become curious. And if we keep staring at something we really want, we become and we get it. If God doesn't give it to us, we become resentful and think, if God's not going to give it to me, I'll just get it myself. And we may think we're pretty smart at first, but sooner or later, we will feel the bite of the serpent. tell you a story. Ain't this good? Yes. I'm not even through my first point yet. That's why I knew I had to make it a sermon series. I just knew a lot. True story. You've, you've heard a fictional story, but I'm going to tell it a true way. I got a friend named Bob. He introduced me into caving. Okay. He introduced me going into caves, and that's why I like going caves and spelunking now. He introduced it to me. I did it the first time because all the men were going, and I didn't, I didn't want to be one of those men that chickened out. I said, I'm going to go. So me and him, about five men went. But he told me this story, and I'm going to add some fiction here to this story, but let me tell you, it's a true story. Bob is a tree hugger. He loves nature. He loves going hiking, caves, you name it. And he also goes down in pits and climbs hand over hand and that sort of thing. He's gotten a little older. I think he's about 50 now. But he's still pretty active. Well, when he first started getting into this, and he told me this story, he was climbing down in a pit, and down in this pit was a snake. And it was so cold in this pit that the snake couldn't move. And he has his cave pack, and he says... I'm going to slide this snake into my cave pack. True story. Because the snake cannot get out of this pit. It is too cold because it gets cold in there. I'm going to put him in my cave pack. And when I climb out of here, I'm going to release him at the top. True story. That part's not made up. So he starts climbing to the top with that cave pack on his back. As he climbs to the top, that snake feels that body heat that he's putting off. And as he's climbing to the top, it's getting hotter and hotter as he climbs to the top. Now, you've probably heard a story like this somewhere before. But that snake starts moving. And that snake gets active. And when he gets to the top, because he starts feeling that activity in that snake, he just throws that cave pack into the woods. Because that snake is moving around. Now, you've probably heard the fictional story that the snake bit the man or bit the turtle when the turtle was going across the ocean on the fictional story part. But let me tell you, when Bob picked that snake up, it didn't bite him. And it didn't bite him to, to the top when he, for the grace of God. But you know what? When he picked it up, he knew it was a snake. 
He knew it was a snake. Why do we go after the things that God's not given us and we go after and we try to reach out to it knowing God's not giving it to us? Adam and Eve got what they wanted an intimate knowledge of both good and evil, but they got it by rebelling against God's wishes and the results were disastrous. Sometimes we have the illusion that freedom is doing anything we want. But God says that true freedom comes from obedience and knowing what not to do. The restrictions he gives us are for our good. They're to protect us, helping us to avoid evil. We have the freedom to walk in front of a speeding car, but we don't need to be hit to realize it would be foolish to do so. So don't believe and don't listen to Satan's lies or be deceived by his tactics. You don't have to do evil to gain more experience and learn more about life. In fact, the word tells me, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. God's way is still the best way, church. God's way is still the best way. Even when everything looks attractive. Even when it looks good for food. Even when it sounds like a good idea. God's way is still the best way. Just because it looks good and you want it doesn't mean you need it. Just because it sounds good and oh, it sounds good and it sounds so good that you done talked yourself into it doesn't mean you need to do it. God may be protecting you from something. Amen? Amen. Would you stand?